Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Give your neighbor a high five and you can be seated in the house. Merry Christmas once again. Open your Bible to the Gospel according to Luke chapter number 2. The Gospel according to Luke chapter number 2. Matthew, Mark, Luke in your New Testament. We're talking uh, this morning, we're not going to talk too long, but we're talking about uh, storytelling because the truth of the gospel is the gospel is comprised of a bunch of people that were willing to tell their story. Everybody say, tell your story. We got to tell our story, church. And not just our story, we got to tell the story and we got to tell our story. Last week we talked about how Mary was about to get married to a guy named Joseph. She was all excited about it, sitting in her kitchen, and she was looking at Bridesmaid Magazine, and she was so excited about picking out a dress and trying to figure out what kind of cake to get. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord showed up in her kitchen and began to tell her something different about what was going to happen in her life. The truth of the matter is, she then received that information, believed that information, went to her cousin's house named Elizabeth, who was pregnant with a guy named John, who happened to be John the Baptist. The reason we call him John the Baptist is simple. He baptized a bunch of people. But the Bible says that she went and she told Elizabeth her story. The Bible said whenever they saw each other that the baby on the inside of Elizabeth jumped up because uh, he was so excited that Jesus was in Mary's womb and Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. In other words, get this, Mary was willing to tell her story, yet God proved it. The Bible says Elizabeth believed it. Mary spent some time at Elizabeth's house. Then all of a sudden she realized, man, I got to go back home and I got to go tell Joseph something. So she goes over, she texts Joseph, said, Joseph, can you meet me at Starbucks? And he's like, man, I'm almost finished building this table. You know, I'm a carpenter. And she says, well, the table can wait. Meet me at Starbucks. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll go meet her. So he goes and he meets her. She said, listen, I got something to tell you. And Joseph's like, good. She finally picked out her dress. She finally knows what kind of cake she wants. She knows what kind of flowers she wants. And Mary goes, no, nope, that's not it, Joe. I'm pregnant. <laughs> the truth of it is, though, it's cool because it's God's baby. Now, I don't know about you, but when Crystal and I were engaged, if she'd have come to me and told me she was pregnant and then told me it was God's baby, that would have been a bit of a tough pill for me to swallow. Can I get a witness in the house of God? So what happened was Joseph, the Bible says he was a good guy, but he couldn't believe it. And the truth of the matter is, who could believe it? The Bible says that he, he's thinking about how he can privately or very discreetly uh, annul the engagement so that Mary wouldn't be killed because in those days uh, it was very likely that a young woman who got pregnant outside of wedlock would be stoned to death and he wanted to do it privately because he didn't want anything bad to happen to Mary and the Bible says that night in a dream that that same angel came and visited Joseph and he said Joseph what Mary said is completely true the next morning Joseph goes to Mary and he says Mary the angel came and visited me and told me what you said was true. And Mary said, well, you should have believed me. Your time's due. No, I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. She said, praise God. And the Bible says that they got married and Joseph took her, took her uh, and that little baby on the inside. And the Bible says that they were going to a town called Bethlehem. 
And they were going to a town called Bethlehem because they were going to be taxed or they were going to be counted. There was a census that was taking place. But the reality and the, the, the thread that I want to really pay attention to today is Mary was willing to tell her story to Elizabeth and she was willing to tell her story to Joseph, but it was God's job to prove it. So many times we feel the burden of proving something to be true when proving has nothing to do with you. Your job is simply to tell your story. Everybody say, tell your story. We have to get so good at telling our story that it rolls off our lips. We have to get so good at telling our story that somebody else has the opportunity to believe it because the truth of it is, is God will only prove what we speak. But once we speak it, now somebody has the opportunity to believe it. Luke chapter 2 verse 1 says, It came to pass in those days, it went out a decree from Caesar that all the world should be taxed or counted. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was the governor of Syria and all went to be taxed, everyone in his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the house out to the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Everybody said Bethlehem. That's real important because Bethlehem literally translates to the house of bread because he was the, uh, of the house and lineage of David. It's very important that Joseph was out of the lineage of David because the Bible prophesies all through the Old Testament that the son of David, there would be a horn of our salvation, there would be a savior raised up out of the house of David. So it was imperative that Joseph be out of the house of David as well. So the fact that he's having to go to Bethlehem, the fact that his stepdad is, going to, is, is a uh, descendant of King David means that the Bible's true. Every black letter, every red letter, every facet in between... Everything is being proven before our very eyes. They go to be taxed with Mary, his wife, who's great with child. Everybody say great with child. We've had three kids, and let me just tell you, uh, when Crystal was nine months pregnant, the idea of riding a donkey across the desert would have never been the first thing she wanted to do. But sometimes you have to do what is not comfortable if you are going to see the will of God come to pass in your life. The Bible says that they began to travel and they got there. Uh, it was so that while they were there, uh, uh, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger or a feed trough because there was no room for them in the inn. Now get this. They travel. She's nine months pregnant. They travel across the Middle Eastern countryside. She's probably riding on a donkey, even though we don't know exactly for sure. But she's probably riding on a donkey. They get to the, to the La Quinta, and they knock on the door. And turns out there's no more rooms available in the inn. And old Joe looks around and says, Baby, you might not like this, but I got good news and bad news. Good news is we're not going to be outside. Bad news is we're going to be in a stable. We're going to be in a barn. And the Bible says they go into that barn. And the Bible says Mary gives birth to the son of God in the middle of a barn. She takes the son of God and she wraps him in swaddling clothes and she lays him in a feed trough. Why is this all important? Because the Bible says man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The gospel according to John says that Jesus is the word made flesh. The Bible later says that Jesus is the bread of life. And later at the Last Supper, he would take some bread, he would break it up, and he said, this is my body given for you and for many. In other words, God saw it so fit to make sure that we understood that Jesus was the bread of life, that he had his son born in a place called the house of bread. And the first thing that his mama did was laying in a place where most things eat. You see, if you're not consuming the bread of life, what happens is, is you find yourself needing and wanting things that you don't necessarily have a necessity to have. 
The Bible says if you'll consume him, if you'll focus on him throughout all the facets of your life, when you do this, all the other things seem to have less importance. You see, the bread of life was born in the house of bread, laid at a place where things eat, so that you and I would have a picture of what would happen in the upper room. When one day he would say, you see, this is my body. See, it began this way. Don't you remember I was born in the house of bread? And here I am telling you that my body is the bread of life. Here I am telling you that it's broken for me and for you. The Bible says she takes him and she lays him in a manger. And Now, you got to picture this. Nobody, in the, now I know nowadays, like a lot of people, you know, are having babies at home and stuff and doing the home birth thing. But that was not like most people were not trying to have a baby in a barn back then. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes you just got to decide you're going to be comfortable in the will of God, whether it's comfortable looking or not. They're sitting around all the donkeys, around every, everybody that rode a donkey to the barn, to the hotel, had probably tied it up in the stable. So they're around all of these other things, yet still in the dead middle of the will of God. The Bible says there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone about them, shined around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not. Everybody say, fear not. not. Come on, say it strong. Fear not. not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. When the Spirit of the Lord begins to speak to you, almost without exception, when an angel comes and talks to a human in our Bible, the first thing they say is, don't be scared. When you go into 2018, I want you to go in unafraid. But can I just tell you, everything that scares you is not going away. You just have to decide that the God you serve is bigger than what is screaming at you. You have to decide the God you serve is bigger than every problem that has come across your table in the last 12 months. You have to decide that the God you serve is truly the author and the finisher of your faith. You see, when God starts a thing, he's committed to finishing it. But something happens in Christianity when we begin to believe somehow it's now our responsibility to finish a thing when God never removed the responsibility off his own table. As a matter of fact, our job is simply to believe him at his word and follow him with all of our heart. When we make these types of decisions in our life, now all of a sudden the finisher comes in and does what he said. But almost without exception, the first thing an angel ever says to somebody is don't be afraid. Don't be scared. 365 times in your Bible you can find the the phrase, fear not, don't be scared, be thou afraid, be thou not afraid. Because every single day of the world you're going to have an opportunity to be fearful about something. But you as a Christian, a blood-bought, born-again, member of the body of the living Christ, you have to recognize fear is not who you are. Fear is an option, but you reject fear because he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and of a sound Mine. The scripture says that the angel came and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were all afraid. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people for unto you. Everybody say unto you. Unto you, born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The Bible says, unto you is born Christ Jesus. You see, uh, in the book of Matthew, he's called Emmanuel. In other words, God with us. What happened was, is we all had a necessity of a Savior. And most of us would have planned a different track, a different map for the Savior to get here. But God wanted to make sure that we all knew that he was available for the lowest of low, the highest of high. He is God with us. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and he is the end. And when we begin to put our faith in a God that's willing to send his own son, now all of a sudden we begin to understand the understanding of us giving our own life for him. You see, it's an exchange. His son gives his life ultimately so that we would exchange our life for him. We would do what he asked. We would say what he said. We would believe what his Bible says. The Bible says that the angel comes and everybody's afraid and the first thing he says is don't be scared. Then he begins to give him the good news and suddenly, somebody say suddenly. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. The Bible says that there was one angel and the shepherd begins to have a conversation and as soon as he said is everything that was necessary to be said, all of a sudden his eyes were open and the entire sky was filled with angels. Wouldn't that be a sight? And all the angels began to say, glory to God in the highest. Can I tell you the secret to living in the abundant life? Put your voice in unison with the angels. You're going to have an opportunity all day, every day to complain, to whine, to act like nothing's going to be okay. You're going to have an opportunity to believe what the devil says about you, that you're not smart enough, you don't have enough degrees, you're not tall enough, you're too tall, you're too ugly, you're you're too pretty. I don't know what he'll say, but he'll say things about you and you've got to get in your mouth the same thing that the angels are saying, which is simply this, glory to God in the highest. When something good happens, glory to God. When something bad happens, glory to God. Do we believe God's putting it on us? Absolutely not. But God is still good even when the boat's got a hole in it. Praise the Lord. There are things that break out in our life and we have to put our mind and our mouth in line with what God says and God says all of heaven's doing the same thing. The Bible says you got God sitting on a throne and all around him there's angels that are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The Bible says we are made in God's likeness and in his image. And when he looks down, he says, man, I gave them choice. They can either serve me or not serve me. But when they decide to serve me and they put my word in their mouth, I will back the play of whatever they say. And when they find you magnifying God and when he finds you magnifying God, now all of a sudden everything begins to shift because the devil can't put something on you that knocks the praise out of your mouth. You're about to see your family for 48 hours. Everybody just say Mufasa. (laughs) You're about to see your family for 48 hours. I wasn't going to talk about this this service. I talked about it first service and I was hoping I could just preach my sermon today, but I'm going to say it now too. I sense the spirit of the Lord so strong. You're going to see your family for 48 hours. I double dog dare you to refuse to agree with anything that is complained about. And if you're the complainer, I double dog dare you to not complain when you get to your family. How do I do it? You look them right in the face and you just don't agree. You don't have to tell everybody what you're against if you're willing to stand for what you are for. 
In other words, if they come to you and they say, you know what, all Democrats are this or all Republicans are this, they're looking for you to see if you'll just nod your head just a little bit. Because if you'll agree, what they're going to do is they're going to give you a membership card to the big complaining club and they're going to hope that you'll just get with them and complain all the time. But the problem is the Bible says anything that you will touch and agree on, you'll have it. So if you'll decide to agree with all their complaining, you'll wake up the next day wanting to complain more than you were complaining yesterday. But if they'll sit there and they'll look at you, did you know this? And the, the, there's too much sand at the beach and water is too wet and the, the dressing is too dry. All these different, you just look them right back in the face. All you got to do, here's what I do. I had to do it this week. You count to 100 in your head. While they're complaining, you're just looking. And now, now it just okay, it's going to get uncomfortable. But how many of you know it'd be pretty uncomfortable to have a baby in a barn? Sometimes you got to do what's not comfortable if you want the will of God to come to pass in your life. So you sit there, and while they're just complaining, and they're sitting there, and as soon as they get a break, as soon as they like stop for like two seconds between complaints, just say, I tell you what we ought to do. Let's just pray about that right now. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you what will happen. They'll either stop talking to you, or they'll stop complaining. Because the truth of it is, is this. You got one shot over the next couple of days. One shot to give them your story. What did God do for you this year? Did he open the windows of heaven over your life? Did he heal your mortal body? Did he save your son or daughter from sin? Did he do something in your life? You got one shot. Don't waste it talking about the weather for the next 48 hours. When they're sitting at your table, that's your table, praise the Lord. When you say, bow your heads, let's pray, pray the power of God in that room. Take two seconds and thank God for what he's done in your life. Thank you for blessing our business. Thank you for blessing our family. Thank you that my kids have a sound mind. Thank you that my kids made the honor roll. Thank you that my kids didn't get kicked out of school. Whatever you got to thank him for. But thank God and let all the complainers be silenced. Because nobody in our Bible ever saw God move by complaining their way to a miracle. Not one. There is no place where anybody just sat and complained. So over the next 48 hours, you're going to get an opportunity to tell your story. But here's the thing. You're going to feel like you have to prove it. But I came to set you free. You do not have to prove your story. Mary didn't have to prove her story to Elizabeth. God did. The Bible says Mary didn't have to prove her story to Joseph. God did. The Bible said when the shepherds heard this, let's continue reading. The Bible says when the shepherds heard this, all the angels were singing glory to God in the highest peace on earth, goodwill to men. It came to pass as the angels, when they went away from them, the shepherds said to one another, let us go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told of them concerning this child. And all that heard it wondered at those things which were told by them, by the shepherds. Somebody say, all. You see, your story is good for everyone who'll hear it. And the story is good for everyone who'll hear it. The Bible says the shepherds were in the field. Have you ever felt like God was passing you by and you were scared you were going to miss the next thing in your life? Can I give you the recipe to success and how to never miss God? Don't grow weary in well-doing because in due season you're going to reap. 
It was in a shepherd's field that David found out he was going to be the next king. It was behind a plow and 12 yoke of oxen that Elijah found out that he was going to be a great prophet unto God. It was in a field shepherding sheep while everybody else was doing their thing when the shepherds found out about the king of glory. And instantly they did something. They believed it and then they went and told everybody. When you decide to tell your story, the power of Christmas is released on those you tell it to. But if you don't tell it, who will? The quickest way to starve a dog is to ask two people to feed it because each one will assume the other did it. No, you've got family in the next 48 hours. You're going to see them. Listen, I wanted to just get up here and I just wanted to tell you the great story of Jesus. We got a bucket full of candy canes for the kids. We're still going to give those out. But that's what I wanted to do this morning. But God is my witness. Your story is going to change somebody's life this week. You tell somebody what God did for you. You say, how do I do it? Sometimes it takes a little tack. What do you mean a little tack? Well, we're not playing chess. We're playing checkers. Opposite. We're not playing checkers. We're playing chess. I'm from East Texas. Y'all got to pray for me. We're not trying to just respond as if there's only one move. No, there's a whole board we're playing with with lots of moving parts and lots of different things. And at the end of the day, if you go into the next 48 hours saying, I'm going to tell somebody my story, you will come out and somebody's life will be changed forever. There is nothing more powerful than the story of what Jesus did for you. I stand up here week after week and I tell stories. I tell stories about the lady who was right here last weekend whose ear instantly opened. I tell stories about the lady who was right here two weeks ago that was completely and miraculously healed of glaucoma. I tell stories about the man who typically sits right there who went to the doctor and it has been confirmed he is 100% healed of diabetes. I tell about the story of my son whose blind eyes were miraculously opened. I tell about stories of people that have received the miracle of being born again and their whole life changing. There was a young man sitting right here with his family at the first service. We met him five years ago. He gives his heart to God. Now he's a business owner, super successful. He's married. He's got a little kid. Believes the Bible so much they named their son Ezekiel Malachi. I tell stories because the stories are what have the power. What do you mean? How is that even possible? It's in your Bible where the book of Revelation it says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. In other words people overcome when we tell them about the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and then we tell them our story about how applied to our life. When you tell your story you set people free. Do they fall out on the floor when you tell them? Sometimes, but not every time. I was at, I was at Carl's Jr., which is a little vegan restaurant. It's real good. Me and my wife like it. Praise the Lord. It's actually an awesome cheeseburger place. We're on the way to Colorado. And, and we stopped, and, and this, was, this was a few years ago, a couple years ago, and we had our little dog with us. And, and the little dog, his name was Duke. And little Duke was a good traveler, but we couldn't just leave him in the car. So I'm walking around. I got old Duke, and uh, Crystal and the kids go in and get their food. And 
I'm walking Duke, and Duke's out there doing his business, and I pick him up and uh, bring him back. Crystal comes out, and uh, I'm feeding the dog, and I run in to just use the restroom because Crystal had gotten all the food for us. And I go in to use the restroom, and I walk out, and the Spirit of the Lord tells me, go back in there and witness to that guy. And I said, no, I'm on the way to Colorado. I wanted you to go to Colorado. And I took another step, and I got all the way to the door, and I thought, I don't want somebody else doing what God's telling me to do. So I turned around, I walked back in there, I said, excuse me, sir. I said, I said, how are you today? He said, good. I said, I'm from College Station, Texas. I said, the Lord just told me to come in here and tell you about Jesus. And he just started weeping. I said, I said, what do you mean? He goes, I've been needing a touch from God so bad. I've been asking God to just send me somebody to talk to me. I said, well, God sent me here, sent me here to talk to you. And all of a sudden, I felt the Lord tell me, pray for the lady over there in the booth. And I went over there to the lady in the booth. I said, excuse me, ma'am. I said, can I pray for you? She said, my God, I need prayer so bad. I said, well, praise the Lord. Just come on over here. And I start praying. And, and, and literally now all of Carl's Jr. is looking at me. The driveway's pretty well. The drive throughs almost shut down. I'm standing in the middle of the store like it's a church service. And everybody's looking at me. I said, is there anybody else that needs prayer? And I sensed in my spirit there was a lady behind the counter. So I walked around behind the counter. I said, ma'am, do you need prayer? She said, I sure do. She comes over. And I just laid my hand on her. She just collapse on the floor and they're picking her up they're trying to hold her up on the on the trash can and I'm going my god how am I going to explain this I hope they don't have security cameras going on so I got people laying everywhere I'm praying for people and before you know it the whole place is crying the whole place is just going nuts and I'm like oh my goodness I just want to go to Colorado praise the Lord and I turn around and I go to walk out and the spirit of the Lord says aren't you glad you went back and I said I'm very glad I get back in the car and I looked at Crystal. I said, well, you just missed God. (laughs) Does it happen like that all the time? Absolutely not. Most of the time, you tell your story and you have a Joseph encounter. They might want to believe you, but there's so many things. You see, the hardness of a person's heart is only penetrated by the power of the gospel. So when you tell your story, you begin to chip away at the hardness of their heart. And then God himself begins to prove it. The next 48 hours, you're gonna have some great opportunities. I want you to go in on purpose. Somebody say on purpose. I want you to tell one person your story. And if you need practice... Tell your husband or your wife. Matter of fact, one of the greatest things you can actually do is sit at dinner and ask your spouse, would you tell me again what it was like when you met Jesus for the first time? Within five minutes, you will both be back where you were when you first believed. Because without your spouse meeting Christ and without you meeting Christ, you both would be aimlessly going throughout this world without a purpose. But when you share your story, you release the power of the gospel. Give God a big hand of praise in the house. We're gonna try something for the next five minutes. And I've been praying about this all week. But if you are 12 years old and under, I want you to come out of your chair and meet me right up here at the front. We have some things for you. Micah, could you help me with this? Y'all give them a hand as they come. You guys can sit right here. Miss Crystal, come up here with us. 
you guys can sit on this black part right here. I guess it's all black, but sit right here, guys. Have a seat. Everybody's getting candy, so don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. Give them another hand, y'all. They look great. Praise the Lord. You guys kind of look this way if you could. You got a microphone, babe? I have one. I feel like Santa Claus. I hope I don't look like him. No, I'm good. This is good. All right, guys, everybody look this way. For five minutes, I want to tell a little story. But I need some help. Can anybody help me? First off, I have one big question. If you know it, just shout it out. Who is God's son? Jesus. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Jesus. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Very good, very good. So, first question, where was Jesus born? Kind of like that, kind of like a farm. In a, well, in a stable, in a barn, that's right. So, Jesus came, get this, and his mom's name was like, Martha or, or Merinium. Mary, that's right. I'm sorry. Goodness gracious. Her name was Mary. And an angel came and spoke to her. And his name was like Gertrude or... I can't hear anybody. Gabriel. That's right. The angel's name was Gabriel. And he comes and tells Mary, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And his name's going to be... Jesus. And when you have Jesus, listen, he's going to be the son of of God. That's right. And I want you to raise him, Mary. And when you raise him, I want you to know that he's going to be the king of all kings. And Mary, we're going to write in the Bible all about you and we're going to write about Jesus. But what's most important, Mary, is I want every child to know that Jesus, though he is the king of kings, he wants to be your best friend forever. Can y'all say that? Best friend forever. So Jesus then, and I'm going to fast forward like 30 years, which is like a millennium, okay? Jesus then one day, he had a he had an encounter and he he died. Does anybody remember how he died? On the cross. On the cross. And and is he still dead now? No, he rose from the dead. He what? He rose from the dead. Where is he now? In heaven. And that's right. And when we believe that Jesus was not only uh, died on the cross, but he rose from the dead, you know what happens? We become what we call a Christian. Everybody say Christian. Christian. You know what Christian means? A Christ one. Somebody that tells their story about Christ. Who here has a story about Jesus doing something in your life? Who here has ever had Jesus touch you, touch your heart at some time? Raise your hand. Who here has ever experienced the love of God that only Jesus can bring? Now, here's the reality. For the rest of your lives, does anybody see this bucket of candy canes? For the rest of your lives, it's your opportunity to tell the story. Everybody say, tell your story. To tell your story about Jesus. Now let's pray. Father, we thank you for all these wonderful children. We thank you that you bless them this Christmas season. We thank you that, Father, 
they know that Jesus is the true meaning of this season. We ask you to bless them, to keep them healthy, to keep them strong, make them the head of the class. Encourage and increase them and bring the right people in their life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Y'all give God a big hand of praise. Now y'all all stand up. Stand on this right here. We're gonna sing together. Y'all turn around, look at your moms and dads. We're gonna sing together a great song. We wish you a Merry Christmas. But we're only gonna sing it if y'all can sing it real good. Can y'all sing good? I can't hear you. Oh, you were in choir? Okay, she was in choir, so you go to the front. You were in choir, praise the Lord. Perfect, perfect. All right, guys, let's all sing it together and encourage one another along the way. One, two, three. stay here. Come on, let's all stand to our feet. If you're visiting today, we're so thankful that you came. We're going to just pray a blessing on you. We're going to believe God that he's going to give you a great Christmas, but I challenge you now, tell your story. Look at your neighbor right in the face. Look him right in the face and say, tell your story. Now look at your second choice neighbor, you know, the one you didn't want to look at a second ago and tell them, tell your story. That's the power of the gospel is when you tell your story. Father, bless your people coming in. Bless them going out. Bless them in the city and the field. Thank you for Jesus this Christmas. In Jesus' mighty, precious name, amen, amen. God bless you. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.